All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today we are doing another mock draft Monday. And we're talking all about the guy who blew up the combine on Saturday night. That is none other than Georgia defensive monster, Jordan Davis. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcfans.com, RIP. Still going strong on Twitter at Falcfans, putting up weekly content at the Falcoholic, and, of course, the host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Falcons is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So today we are doing, I believe, our third mock draft Monday. Of the offseason, we got, what, eight more to go, 11 total. Uh, and today's episode, I'll full disclose, I'm recording this as the defensive backs are taking the field on Sunday uh, afternoon to run their 40s and do their drills. So we'll see uh, if there's sort of another blow up uh, with the combine, you know, Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening with some one of those guys. But let's talk about the guy who blew up Saturday and that's Jordan Davis. And yes, you know, I'm cheating the conceit of mock draft Monday where I look at a recent mock draft. I don't think there's been a Falcons mock that, uh, or a mock draft that has had the Falcons selecting Jordan Davis with their first round pick since like November or something like that, at least in terms of the major, um, websites or whatever. So go back and, and dig through an October, November mock or whatever the case may be that had the Falcons. Let's just talk about Jordan Davis. Right. Um, and so I think Jordan Davis, you know, or l- l- let me do a mock real quick. Uh, you know, Evan Neal, number one, Jordan Davis, number eight, boom. All right. We, we, we hit the conceit of today's episode. So could Jordan Davis be in the mix for the Falcons at pick number eight? Yes. I think he is after his sort of incredible 40 time that he ran, Saturday night. And if you're going to sit here in the comments or whatever and say, Hey, you're overreacting to the 40 time. You're absolutely right. We're going to overreact to the 40 time. What else are we here to do guys other than sit here and overreact to things, right? You know, you know me, I'm not an overreactor. So, you know, I take these opportunities when I can get them to overreact to this incredible historic number that Jordan Davis ran. For those of you that missed it, uh, he ran a four, seven, eight, 40 at 341 pounds. You compare that to the previous sort of monster 40 time for a guy that big, which was Don Terry Poe 10 years ago in the 2012 combine, where at 346 pounds, he ran a four, nine, eight. But when you adjust, when you do the weight adjusted speed score, which sort of looks at a player's weight, looks at their 40 time. Um, and you know, you got to think of it like basically the speed scores benefit guys that are bigger and run faster, you know, got to think of it like force equals mass times acceleration. That's kind of what it's like. It's not exactly that formula. Um, but it's one of those things that people look at 40 times based off of, um, size. When you look at what Jordan Davis's speed score was, uh, at that size, at that speed, you're talking about, he's blowing away you know, defensive tackles. Aaron Donald's speed score was 118.8. Don Terry Poe was 112.5. John Henderson's was 108.8. Jordan Davis is 130.6. 
Okay. And when we're talking about 130, we're talking about like the elite of the elite wide receivers, the big, fat, the true big fast guys. Julio Jones was 124. Kyle Pitts was 126.1. DK Metcalf was 129.7, right? Calvin Johnson was 133.5. Vernon Davis, way back in the day, was 138. Um, which as far as I know is like the highest ever uh, with Vernon Davis or whatever the case may be. So Jordan Davis is historic. When we talk about historically good for a D tackle for any player, uh, his number is historically great. So he's an absolute freak of nature. And, you know, it's funny because like going into the combine, I was, I was very skeptical that he was going to run this super fast 40 time. Like, again, I thought he would sort of be maybe in the pole range. I thought it was certainly possible that he could get into four nines, um, when people were saying like, oh, he'll run like a four, eight or something like that. I'm like, man, okay. I'm just kind of rolling my eyes or whatever the case may be. And part of it was like, I had heard all for several months, people were talking about like some of the GPS data with the miles per hour stuff, um, has shown like ridiculous numbers for Jordan Davis. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Like the GPS stuff is measuring sort of what your peak burst is. And sort of like for like a five yard sample, you can get up to these ridiculous speeds, right? But over the course of like 40 yards or whatever the case may be, like, you know, he, he's not going to do anything special. And then part of it was going into Saturday, especially because of Friday's results, where, again, we talked about this back in, in January where we talked about Trey Burks, uh, Traylon Burks, the Arkansas wide receiver. And like I talked about then watching the film, I'm like, oh, he looks like a four five four five five guy to me on the film. But then I saw some GPS data, you know, when we did our first mock draft Monday two weeks ago where or three weeks ago are we on 4.0 or 3.0 yeah we're on 4.0 sorry um yeah because we did cave on thibodeau and we did Traylon burks and, and drake london but so 4.0 three weeks ago when we talked about Traylon burks and i talked about him then like well i've seen some gps data that has him going up to like 21 22 miles per hour so that generally corresponds with a lot of guys that can run like four threes or four fours and then of course Traylon burks ran a four five five and i'm like oh like basically the player i saw on film was what he ran at and so like that made me especially skeptical. Like, okay, the GPS data is really going to show Jordan Davis uh, running this ridiculous 40 speed. And then he ran the four, seven, eight. And it was just crazy. Like I didn't watch it live. Right. Cause I was trying to be social on Saturday night. Uh, but like, you know, I saw it on Twitter, like about 10 minutes after he ran it and it just, it was an incredible thing. So basically let's talk about now talking about Jordan Davis being that top 10 pick that he was getting hyped early in the process to potentially be, you know, back in October, November, he was in the mix to be a Falcons pick or a top 10 pick. And, and now all of a sudden we were like, Oh, he's going to be a mid late first round pick or whatever the case may be. He's not even the best D tackle on his team with Devonte White, who also ran an incredible 40 time as well as Trayvon Walker. We'll talk about those guys a little bit, but you know, the question now is can Jordan Davis based off of this 40 time, are you willing to buy into his potential as a pass rusher to make it worthwhile to pull the trigger on him for a top 10 pick for the Falcons or some other team that high in a draft? And that's what we're going to get into as we continue today's uh, Locked on Falcons mock draft Monday 4.0 episode. But before we get there, guys, you know, Jordan Davis has lost some weight. And, you know, one of the ways he might have done that is by checking out the Built Bars, the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. And it's even better than a candy bar because Built Bars not only taste good, they're also good for you because they're low in sugar, low in calories, low in carbs, high in protein, 
high in fiber. They come in a variety of different flavors. I know for me personally, when I go on diets, it's hard to stay on that diet because you're eating the same boring foods over and over again. And Built Bar helps you out there because it adds variety to your diet with so many different flavors. Whether you want to try one of their limited time flavors like Choro Puff, Banana Cream Pie, Lemon Dip Cheesecake, Ruby Chocolate, Coconut Marshmallow, or you can go with the tried and trues that they always have in their lineup at Coconut Almond, Peanut Butter Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Salted Caramel, Raspberry, Cherry Barcia, so many more to try. You can check out your favorite flavor by heading over to Built.com. Be just like Jordan Davis and do what Jordan Davis did and use that promo code LOCK15 when he got 15% off his order. You can get 15% off your order by going to Built.com and use that promo code LOCKED15. So let's talk more about Jordan Davis and his pass rush potential, because I've been the biggest skeptic of this throughout this entire process. And part of the reason why I was very skeptical of Jordan Davis and the hype that he was getting, particularly early on when we go back to the beginning of the season, because he was getting this Heisman buzz and like there was these really terrible narratives to me where it was like, Oh, Jordan Davis is the reason why Georgia's defense is like great and wonderful. And he's, he's the one that unlocks all the defensive potential. And I'm sitting here watching. And again, I'm not a Georgia fan. I watch it. I occasionally watch Georgia on Saturday when it's a big game or whatever the case may be. Um, But like, you know, I'm not necessarily locked in every Saturday and I'm just like, I'm watching Georgia's defense. And I'm like, man, like this defense is absolutely stacked. This notion that Jordan Davis is the reason why their defense is good. Like again, first round talents and Trevon Walker, Nicobe Dean, right? Devontae Wyatt, right? Jalen Carter's probably going to be a top five pick next year. He's going to be DL1 next year. In next year's draft, he's the best player on their uh, team, and he's not even draft eligible this year. They have players in the back seven like Darian Kendrick, um, Quay Walker, Channing Tindall, right? We, We completely forget about Adam Anderson for uh, obvious reasons because he might be going to jail because of some rape charges he had, but he's probably a first round talent uh, that, you know, missed half of the season uh, due to that off field stuff. So it was like Georgia's defense is absolutely stacked. And so this notion of, oh, Jordan Davis is the reason why their defense is good. Like, come on, man, this is ridiculous. Right. And so the other issue I had with Jordan Davis is like, even though you saw these flashes, you could, you could put together a highlight reel of like his 15 best pass rush reps. And you'd be like, Oh my God, this guy's going to be an absolute monster. But the problem was that that highlight reel would probably only be about 15 plays long over the course of his career, because he just was not a very productive pass rusher at Georgia, right? You would see these flashes of the power and the strength and whatnot, but you never saw it consistently, right? I never really bought into the whole notion of the conditioning concerns. Like, you know, that's an easy fix as he did was, was lose weight or whatever the case may be. So that to me was not a major issue for me, but it certainly it benefited him uh, to lose weight. But to me, it was just more just like he's, very raw as a pass rusher and doesn't have a ton of production. And like the player that he was often getting compared to was Vita Vea. But you look at Vita Vea and his career at Washington, Vita Vea on 480 career rushes, according to PFF had 61 career pressures. You look at the past three years combined for Jordan Davis. He had about 497 pass rushes and only had 25 career pressures he had um, or over the three years and 30 career pressures over his entire career you just did not get a player that was very productive as a pass rusher right you look at Vita Vea's pass rush 
pressure rate in the NFL, it's 11% um, over his career. You look at another big physical nose tackle type of player, Dexter Lawrence, who also ran a pretty good 40 for his size at 340 something pounds. He ran like a 505, which is kind of what I thought Jordan Davis would wind up running. His career pressure rate in the NFL is like 8.6%, right? Danny Shelton is another player going back to the 2015 draft who had a career pressure rate of 5%. And right, Jordan Davis's best career pressure rate was this past season at 6.3%. So when you looked at him compared to some of these other big time nose tackles that have come out over the last, you know, seven, eight drafts or whatever the case may be, like he compared much more to a Danny Shelton from term in terms of his college production than he did to a Vita Vea or Dexter Lawrence. And so that was part of it was like, okay, Jordan's got a, a Georgia's got a stack defense. And so he's getting pulled off the field in third downs so that he can put better pass rushers out there like Trayvon Walker, like Jalen Carter, et cetera. And so you understood that his production wasn't high, but even on a per snap basis, when he got those opportunities, he wasn't producing at a high late, high rate. And so like you look at a player like Dexter Lawrence, who's been a good NFL player as a former first round pick. But, you know, one of the questions is, are the Giants going to pick up his fifth year option? Uh, after, you know, this spring or whatever the case may be. And, and is he a guy that's going to earn a second contract with that team? Uh, you know, when push comes to shove in, in a year or two, when it's time to pay that guy, right? Because like you have a good NFL player, a guy that's a relatively productive pass rusher for, you know, a big 340 pound guy, but even he's not going to necessarily get a second contract. You look at the nose tackles over the course of, you know, the last decade in the NFL, it's basically Vita Vea, it's Eddie Goldman. That's about it in terms of nose tackles that get second contracts from the teams that draft him. And so this was part of the reason why I was so skeptical of Jordan Davis. And again, going into it, even if he is the level of athlete that a Don Terry Poe, and obviously he blew the doors off of that expectation, but even if he is as good as a Don Terry Poe, who was one of those rare three down nose tackles, like an Eddie Goldman, like a Vita Vea, right? Poe's most productive year as a pass rusher were his second and third years where he combined for 10 and a half sacks and 68 pressures. But his pressure rate during that season on a per snap basis was only 5.6%, which again is closer to what Jordan Davis is now in college and what Danny Shelton was in, in uh, throughout his NFL career. Um, and, you know, you compare, you know, Poe's pressure rate in those seasons to what Eddie Goldman's has been uh, over the course of his career. It's about 7% uh, up until the these last couple of years and you compare that to say a Jack Crawford whose pressure rate in 2018 in his peak year was 7.9%. You look at Poe's peak pressure rate back in 2017 when he was in Atlanta where he was slimmed down and in, in being able to get, you know, 40 pressures that year and his pressure rate was about seven and a half pressures that year. So you know, it was hard for me to really buy into this notion that Jordan Davis, oh, he's Vita Vea. It's like, no, he's probably closer to some of these other guys. And even then his production in college is not to the degree of some of these other guys that aren't necessarily these monster pressure guys, right? Again, Vita Vea, 11% pressure rate and Poe is like seven and a half percent. And, and Jordan Davis, at least from a production standpoint, isn't really at Don Terry Poe's level. So to me, it was always a question of like, when you compare him to Vita Vea, does he have that type of potential? Sure. But that's going to be several years away. Again, Vea was like two and a half times more productive in college as a pass rusher. And so it's going to take a lot of development to basically get Jordan Davis to be that type of pass rusher in the NFL. And obviously the potential is there. Again, him slimming down shows that uh, he can, you know, he's 
committed to that. The fact that he's working with Chuck Smith shows that he's committed to that. And like, you know, this is not no disrespect to Chuck Smith, who's a great Falcon and obviously uh, is is a very good uh, instructor when it comes to these young players and NFL veterans. When it comes to pass rush, you know his his body of work and his results speak to himself, speak for itself. But like, you get this sort of myth, I guess, with Chuck Smith, and myth is probably not the right word, but like. Like people act like he's like the hand of God when it comes to pass rush. And so when I heard Jordan Davis working with Chuck Smith, I'm like, okay, like that's good. That's certainly better than not working with Chuck Smith. But like the idea that this is magically going to make him into a dominant pass rusher is not necessarily true. Like we know with Chuck Smith, like he worked with a Falcon pass rusher this past year. And basically Chuck, you know, Joe was, was like, you know, I'm not going to tell you who he is until you start getting pass rush is get started getting sacks. And it, obviously we never learned that player because he wasn't getting sacks. So again, it just goes back to the idea that like, oh, if Chucks works with you, then you're automatically good. And that's not the case. But the fact is that the fact that Jordan Davis is willing to slim down, right? And rather than playing at that 350, 360 weight that he was at in college and was slimming down to 340 and again, you know, Go back to Poe's peak year in Atlanta. Why was Poe so more so much more productive in 2017 than he was in some of those other seasons that he had in Kansas City as a pass rusher? Because he slimmed down. The Falcons built that into his contract that he needed to play at like 330 that year, and they had a whole bunch of bonuses. And the minute that Poe left Atlanta and the teams like Dallas and Carolina didn't include that in his contract, his production completely fell off the face of the earth, and now he's out of the league, right? Um, but and so like you look at that with Jordan Davis and you say, okay, like he's slimming down, he's working with Chuck. He's clearly committed to becoming a better pass rusher. And so when we talk about the notion that he's going to have to develop as a pass rusher, he's showing what you want to get the baseline, you know, that foundation for, okay, like this is a type of guy that if he's willing to go to Chuck, if he's willing to put, lose all this weight uh, so far, and hopefully he can keep it off and maintain this weight moving forward. And that's going to be something that, the team that drafts him is going to have to monitor moving forward. But the fact that he's willing to make those commitments makes it enough for you to be willing to buy in that again, while he may not be that sort of high level pass rusher right now, based off of where he is that in three or four or more years, he could get to that sort of Vita Vea level and, or, you know, potentially be beyond Vita Vea at that level if he continues to work on it. So, while I still maintain some degree of skepticism, whether, you know, what Jordan Davis's baseline is going to be coming into the NFL as a pass rusher and certainly what his ceiling is as a pass rusher, uh, ultimately what it ultimately becomes at the very least, you can feel a lot more optimistic that he is a player that is poised to at least potentially achieve that ceiling, whatever that is, uh, you know, further down the road. So you can get that buy-in and that notion that maybe he is worth a top 10 pick, that rare nose tackle that is worth that pick because of what he has shown so far. And so we'll wrap up today's episode talking a little bit more about, um, you know, after we've bought into his pass rush potential, you know, does it make it worthwhile for the Falcons specifically to take him at eight? Because a lot of the narratives that you hear about with why it makes sense for the Falcons to target a player like Jordan Davis is it because he's going to unlock Grady Jarrett and he's going to prevent Grady Jarrett from getting double teamed and single handedly free up Grady Jarrett to, to be unleashed as this dominant player. And we're going to get into that as we continue today's Locked on Falcons episode. So guys, this weekend was a great weekend to get started at Bet Online. Whether you were wanting to bet 
on the UFC fight, the NBA games, college hoops. You had the Duke UNC game. And of course, you could have bet on some of these combine props. I don't think anybody broke the combine record again recording this before the DBs are done with their drills. But at least through Saturday evening, no one had broken any of the combine records, which you could have bet on at betonline.net. But now you look at the, some of the props for who's going to be that number one pick. You got even money with Evan Neal and Iki Aquano at plus 110, which means if you bet $100, you win $110. And so those guys could both go number one overall, according to betonline.net, even money there. But I'm looking at those Aiden Hutchinson odds of plus 500 and being like, you know, that might be worthwhile putting a little bit of money on. But don't miss the next big weekend for betting action by heading over to betonline.net where they have you covered not only for UFC, basketball, draft props, they got you covered for hockey, boxing, golf, horse racing, soccer, esports, whatever you want, even your favorite Vegas casino game. So head on over to betonline.net, betonline, where the game starts. So when we talk about Jordan Davis possibly being in the mix for the Falcons at pick eight, I certainly think he's on the table. I've thought long for a while that Jordan Davis would be potentially on the table for the Falcons. I tweeted this out on December 27th. uh, And I said, while I remain mixed on using a high pick on him, I could easily see the Falcons using their number one pick on a player like Jordan Davis with the intention of becoming more hashtag physical. And so now as we sit here on March 5th or whatever today is, as I'm sitting here recording this, I don't, remain mixed on using a high pick on him. Although, again, I do wonder a little bit about his pass rush potential and whatnot, but I'm willing um, to roll the dice on that, say, uh, in terms of him being an athletic freak in that. But when you talk about the Falcons drafting him at eight, you know, a big reason why people uh, want to take him beyond just being hashtag more physical, um, it is because a lot of people believe that he could make Grady Jarrett into a much better player. And I still remain somewhat skeptical of that narrative. I think it's a little bit too cut and dry for a lot of folks. You know, a lot of people sort of sit here and say, oh, if we draft Jordan Davis, Grady Jarrett will no longer be double teamed. Certainly on early downs, that's true. But you still wonder about on passing downs, particularly if Jordan Davis is not on the field on third downs, then he's not helping anybody free up those double teams. But you know, any nose tackle that lines up in the A gap is going to take on double teams. It doesn't matter, uh, you know, whether it's Jordan Davis or Anthony Rush or whatever the case may be, that guy is going to get double teamed a lot more just based off of his alignment. Now, you can certainly make the case that Jordan Davis is going to do more against those double teams than other players would in his spot. But like one of the interesting things when you see sort of ESPN's Pash rush win rate. Hard for me to say that. Uh, and their sort of double team rate, when you look at some of those charts that they put out there on Twitter and elsewhere, is like they cut off the part of the chart that shows all the nose tackles that play in the A gap, where those guys are getting double teams 70, 80, 90% of the time uh, based off of their metrics just by alignment. And so on early downs, you know, Jordan Davis by playing that nose tackle spot is going to free up those double teams um, from Grady Jarrett because Grady Jarrett's going to be in the B gap and Jordan Davis is going to be in the A gap. But you do wonder a little bit on passing situations if Jordan Davis is going to be that because part of you sits here and wonder, okay, we're talking about Jordan Davis and his pass rush potential, you know, going through the 
previous section of the, of the episode, you know, we're talking about him starting pass rush pressure rate being like five, 6% or whatever, and building beyond that to, you know, eight, 10, 11% down the road. Okay. He can get there someday, but you could sign a guy off the street for relatively cheap. That's going to give you eight to 10% as an interior pass rusher on early downs. FA Obata, spoiler alert for Friday, free agent Friday that we do when we go through the free agents on defense that I'm going to sign. FA Obata is going to be on that list as a guy that I think relatively cheaply can come in and give you a 10% pressure rate, which is what he's had throughout his NFL career. Guys like Akeem Hicks and BJ Hill are going to give you nine, 10% pressure rates right off the street. If you want to sign some of the more prominent D tackles available in free agency. And so you sit there and you wonder like, okay, if you add Jordan Davis, or if you were to sign one of these guys in free agency, like is Jordan Davis going to be on the field in third downs? Because the best interior pass rushers are going to be Grady Jarrett and one of these other free agent signings that you have. Or do you put Jordan Davis out there on the field um, and then put this other interior pass rusher that you sign in free agency and then kick Grady Jarrett over to edge and have instead of playing, you know, 30 to 60 snaps as an uh, edge rusher as he's done the last two seasons. Now we're talking about playing Grady Jarrett at 150, 200 plus snaps or whatever the case and making him a true defensive end or whatever the case may be. Okay. Maybe that's a strategy that the Falcons could play around with. But part of my issue with drafting Jordan Davis at eight, I don't have a problem with it, but I'm also curious, what do you do in free agency? Because again, if Jordan Davis's baseline is going to be this, you know, 25 to 30 pressure guy, which is what I'm expecting him to be, uh, coming into the league. And again, he can build onto that and be that 40, 50 or, or more pressure guy, 60 pressure guy that Vita Vea, uh, has been at his peak. Um, you know, he can build towards that, but like you can get a guy relatively easy in terms of these free agents, but you can also get an edge rusher that can come in and, and give you more than that in terms of their pressure rate, right? If you were, you know, if Vita Vea, if, if, if I'm sorry, if Jordan Davis builds towards being this, you know, eight to 12 pressure rate guy, percent pressure rate guy, right? You know, Vita Vey is 11% pressure rate. You know what Tack McKinley's pressure rate in 2018 was? It was 12%. You know what it was in his rookie season? It was 12%. So it's this idea that if your goal is to in, enhance the pass rush, right? Drafting an edge rusher makes a lot more sense because that player's starting point is probably going to be higher than Jordan Davis's starting point is going to be. And therefore that's going to be more meaningful that, okay, right. The issue is not necessarily freeing Grady Jarrett up for double teams. It's that Grady Jarrett's constantly getting double teamed and you need to add other players around him that are going to win their single teams, right? That's the Aaron Donald effect, right? Like the Aaron Donald effect is Aaron Donald's going to get double teamed all the time. And that's going to put Von Miller and, Leonard Floyd and Dante Fowler in these single one-on-one matchups. And those guys are winning their one-on-one matchups. So the more important issue with Jordan Davis or really any pass rushers, the Falcons add interior, exterior, you know, free agents or draft picks, you got to win your one-on-ones. Cause I don't think teams are going to suddenly be like, Oh, well, we're, we're not going to double Grady Jarrett. He's the guy that's going to force teams to grade. So it's about the guys that can win their one-on-ones. And so the point more is like, again, drafting Jordan Davis makes perfect sense. If you want to take that player, he can give you plus value on rundowns and certainly has the potential to give you plus value on passing downs. But really at the end of the day, if, if your options are, let's take a player that's going to give you say 6% pass rush pressure rate 
in, in this year and then we can build towards 10 or more percent versus an edge rusher that can give you 10% right away. And we can build towards 15, 18%. Uh, in the future, which is what the best pass rushers in the NFL have. And again, uh, we can debate whether or not, you know, any of the edges in this year's class has that type of potential. I would probably say Michigan's Aiden Hutchinson probably is the guy that has the most potential to hit that mark. It doesn't mean that other guys don't also have that potential, but I don't necessarily know if they can consistently sustain that year in and year out. And, you know, Hutchinson, we compare him to a guy like Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa's, I think, only eclipsed 15% pressure rate in his NFL career just twice, two times. So, Again, that's the elite edge rusher. But again, if you're still talking about a guy that's going to get you 13, 14, 15% as a high end edge rusher, um, then th- doesn't that make more sense to add that player at eight than necessarily a player like Jordan Davis, who you don't know if you're going to get that type of production. So that's the debate, right? If the goal is to get a pass rusher, but if the goal is just to get a, a freak of nature, an absolute monster that can be a dominant early down defender and also be a, a potential difference maker on third downs, you're not going to hear me complain about the Falcons draft. Jordan Davis again it's really not about Jordan Davis as an individual and what he brings versus what he doesn't bring even if Jordan Davis is everything you dream of him to be if he's Vita Vea 3.0 and even better than Vita Vea uh down the road or, or immediately in the NFL like he's just one player like that's ultimately the point I, I going to continue to harp on on this podcast, particularly on these mock draft Mondays. Like if you want to sit here and pound the table for Jordan Davis, you want to pound the table for Kayvon Thibodeau or anybody in this draft class at eight as the right pick for the Falcons. Hey, okay, cool. Like, I don't care. Trayvon Walker, Kayvon Thibodeau, Jordan Davis, you know, sauce Gardner, who cares? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like get a great player. Doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to me. Right. And now Jordan Davis is now on that list for me when he wasn't before, but it's one player like Vita Vea is not the reason why Tampa Bay's defense is good. The reason why Tampa Bay's defense is good is because yes, yeah, they have Vita Vea and Shaq Barrett and Indomitian Sue and William Golston and JPP and Antoine Woodfield. You're right. You know, in the Falcons, you add Jordan Davis or anybody at that eighth overall spot. Okay. Eight overall spot. Right. Okay. Now you got three good players on defense. You got him, you got AJ Terrell, you got Grady Jarrett. Where are the other eight good players coming from? Right. You know, okay. Richie Grant's going to be one of those. Okay. You bring back Foye Aluakun. Okay. He's going to be one of those. Right. You go back to the best defense the Falcons have had in the last decade. And that was the 2017 defense. And they had Poe and they had Grady and they had Claiborne and Debo and True and Alford and Keanu and all these guys. That's eight guys I just named guys. And they still were just a league average defense. So like, to me, this is why I, I continue to be like, we sit here and, and overvalue and overrate how important this one pick is like get a good player and then add more good players. Who you getting in free agency? Who you drafting around two? Who you drafting around three? Who you getting in next year's offseason? Right? Like if we're rebuilding this defense, it's not about the one pick. It's not about who the eighth overall pick. That's certainly if you hit on that pick, it's you know, it is a step in the right direction, but it's just a step. Right? You're not making these massive leaps because you drafted one good player and now all of a sudden your defense has three good players, three Pro Bowlers or whatever the case may be. That's a great foundation to lay. So again, I'm not going to go on that rant again because I've been on it too many times, but like while I'm more open to the idea of drafting Jordan Davis at eight than I was certainly, you know, several months ago, uh, and several days ago, we should say in in, uh, 24 hours ago. Uh, but like, you know, I'm for it. If you want to sit here and pound the table for Jordan Davis being the pick at eight, by all means, if you want to sit here and say the reason why he should be the pick is because he's going to magically free up Grady Jarrett. Okay. You know, again, I remain somewhat skeptical of that, but like, even if he does like, again, now you have two really good players playing at a high level on your defense. 
Okay, where are the other nine guys coming from? Okay, AJ Terrell's another one. So again, where are the other eight guys coming from? Where are those guys coming from? So that to me is is really a bigger question for this team uh, as a whole when we talk about the Falcons improving their defense. So um, get Jordan Davis. I'm open to it, right? You know, I'm not going to sit here and fight anybody on that. Uh, but that's where we'll sort of leave today's conversation with Jordan Davis. And uh, if you want to provide your feedback on why you think Jordan Davis is the perfect fit for the Falcons, by all means, hit me up on Twitter or Facebook at Lockdown Falcons, email LockdownFalcons at mail.com uh, or send leave a comment here on the Lockdown Falcons YouTube channel or tell me why you're still skeptical of Jordan Davis, why everybody's sitting here overrating a 40 time and blah, 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 you know, whatever the case may be. Provide me that feedback. I'm more than interested to hear it. Tomorrow's episode, we will be talking more combine winners and losers, maybe talking about some of these defensive backs, talking about Trent McDuffie and Derek Stingley and the fact that their arm link didn't really check out as top 10 corners typically do and whether that that hurts their stock. Uh, and we'll talk about, you know, some of the other combine winners and losers. We'll talk about probably Jordan Davis's teammate, Trayvon Walker, and whether or not he's now in the mix for the Falcons at eight. Um and so we'll get into all of that on tomorrow's episode, but you know who also is getting into that on today's episode and tomorrow's episode and all week long. Of course, that's going to be the Locked On NFL podcast as well as the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. And you can find both of those on a variety of podcast platforms, including all the ones that you're currently listening to, Locked On Falcons or watching Locked On Falcons on YouTube. So guys, go check out Locked On NFL. Go check out Locked On NFL Draft. Guys, I appreciate it. Till then.